I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. For thousands of years, a mystery, a secret, a threshold to the future. Where'd you find this? I've, I've never seen anything like this. One man will break the code and open the door. Well, I should read Stargate. I was in front of us the whole time. The other will lead the way. Why are you here? I'm here in case you succeed. Jackson's identified the seventh symbol. Backup storage, reserve power, on. What is that? It's your stargate. We've opened a doorway to a world we know nothing about. The thing locked itself onto a point somewhere in the Kalium galaxy. It's on the other side of the known universe. Your turn now. They prepared for danger. Began final evacuation. They expected the unknown. Stabilizing system. Initiated commencement sequence. But they could never have imagined this. Hello and welcome to another episode of Rewatchability. I'm J.M. McNabb, joined as always by... Robert Larone. And we're joined by a special guest this week. It's our friend Sina Romani. Hey, Sina. Hello, folks. It's nice to be back. The host and uh, editor, curator of The East is a Podcast, um, which you can find on, uh, you know, however you listen to this. I don't know. That's your business. <laughs> uh, we've got a special episode for you this week. Mm-hmm. We are going to be talking about the 1994 science fiction blockbuster, Stargate. Mm-hmm. Directed by Roland Emmerich, starring <laughs> James Spader and Kurt Russell for some reason. <laughs> yep. Uh, Wait, I mean, come on. I mean, Kurt Russell for some reason... Well, no, I, I I love Kurt Russell, but like I can't imagine like a Hollywood executive being like, "We gotta find a project for Kurt Russell and James Spader. We well, gotta get true. those two together." <laughs> and if a cast member from The Crying Game is around too, that would be <laughs> the icing on the cake. Before we get into that big, big movie, exciting to talk about. I do want to thank all of the Patreon donors. You can go to patreon.com slash rewatchability and kick in a few bucks. Help us keep the show going. You get the show early and ad-free. And we sure do appreciate it. Mm-hmm. But let's get into Stargate because there's so much to talk about with this movie. Let's start with you, Rob. Do you remember when you first saw this? Okay, so I have to confess that I didn't see the film Stargate. But but hold on. Hold on. Jam, hold on. Okay. I read the novel. 
No. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> By the authors, Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin. <laughs> oh, God. And I remember it to be, uh, you know, Wait. pretty good. Why? Why did why? <laughs> why? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think it's one of those things that like Was it in hieroglyphics or was it in English? <laughs> was it not a little an bit ancient tablet? It, it was a little bit of both, and then in the middle it had glossy pages with photos of the cast. Right. There's always like eight photos in the middle. Yeah, James Spader and you know You know, I th- I don't know where I got it. I was trying to remember. I think maybe like my mom picked it up at like the second hand sort, the Salvation Army or something like that, and was like, you know, Rob likes science-y, fiction-y things, you know. Right. Or, you know, maybe she thought it was like a, a weird, like, Salvation Army religious thing, and, you know, it was supposed to, like, I don't know, be good for my soul or something. I don't know. Right. So, so you read it. Did you have no interest in seeing the movie? Did you know the movie existed? Oh, I knew the movie existed. You know... Yeah, I, I, I didn't need to see the movie. I It never really occurred to me to see the movie after reading the book. Like, I got the whole story from that, you know? Like, O'Neill has his thing, and then Daniel, he stays on the planet, and that's what you need to know about the Stargate. So, okay. yeah, I, I just, you know... So you why? liked it? It was, you know, it was okay. It was, right. you know, it was no Stephen King or, you know, The Wheel of Time, but... Uh, yeah, it was okay. Okay, uh, and Cena, when did you first read Stargate? I mean, see Stargate. <laughs> I have. I want to admit something, which is I have never seen this movie before until roughly forty-eight hours ago or twenty-four. What, really? Hours I figured. Ago when, I thought we when, talked about this before. I've seen like parts of the shows, and oh, okay, and and we can get into it, but it always struck me as extremely dumb. Mm-hmm. And I was right. I was mm. right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's a very stupid movie. It's very Well, stupid. yeah, I think like that's one of the reasons uh, I didn't want to see it either because the whole like space pharaoh thing seemed dumb, you know. Okay, well, you guys sit back and relax because I will tell you about how I saw this movie in the theater when it first came out. At the uh, at the Yorktale uh, Cinema, and uh, and I liked it. Okay, but the, but I I liked it, but I never saw it again. Like it was one of those things where like me and my friends went. We all had a great time. I think we all enjoyed it, but it like it never caught on. Like I never saw it a second time until this year, until just now. And I th- I even bought an action figure. For this movie, wow! Which I instantly regretted. Like I, <laughs> I think I got like Did I remember you get seeing... the French Stewart action figure, yeah. <laughs> or the Richard Kind. <laughs> no, I was. It was like one of the like villains henchmen, like, oh. which I think just looked cool. But I, yeah, I bought it because I thought it looked cool, and I was advertised it on shows I liked and I was dumb and impressionable. So I bought it and then I instantly regretted it. And it was like, what am I going to do with this? I'm not going to buy another Stargate figure. Like, I guess this guy will just have to interface with my with... Ninja Turtles. Yeah. <laughs> Get the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves action figures in right. there. 
which I still have. I found some at my parents' house not long ago. Do you have Rickman? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Why did you buy those? I liked that movie when I was a kid. And they were good action figures. They were admittedly cobbled were. together from a lot of pre-existing uh, toy lines. Like a lot of the, like everywhere Robin Hood lives or any of his like vehicles are all from Ewok sets <laughs> that were just lying around and like repainted <laughs> or remolded. Uh I don't know why we're talking about this, but Stargate, yeah, it was like one of those things where it was like, it, it, it kind of like fooled me and my friends into thinking it was like a big iconic movie, but then mm. like the illusion very quickly wore off and we realized that it was not a good movie, but it's very dumb, but it's made for kids though. It's obviously made for kids and like a certain kind of brainless movie going sure. experience, which is that people who know the truth about ancient aliens. Does. Right. <laughs> which is which is what which is what Roland yeah, Emmerich exactly. does. Like this is his this is his signature. Like he makes stupid movies for stupid right. times. Like that's it. That's that's his and he's good at it. Is he? Well, he I mean, does I make think he is. Like Independence Day, like if that's like your big example of the big stupid movie for the big stupid time, like it was sort of the perfect yeah. movie, you know? He makes he makes movies yeah, that That was definitely more fun than this movie. <laughs> when we were kids, like the movies he made were like perfect like event like i remember all the times i saw his movies in the theater i remember them being packed and you know exciting to see but you know he doesn't necessarily make movies that that last no uh but let's get into it because there's so much to talk about rob do you want to do the rundown for stargate i sure do so it starts in ancient egypt and, you know, there's some ancient Egyptian people hanging out and they see this light in the sky and there's all this like sand that's being blown everywhere because it's the desert. And then they look up and there's a big old, big old triangle descending from heaven. And uh, it sort of comes down like E.T.'s ship. It's not actually too dissimilar from E.T.'s ship. Uh, Wait, does that? I don't remember that happening. What? Oh, well, did you not watch yeah. the extended cut? No. Oh, JM. <laughs> oh, oh, you missed out. No. I watched my the version that was free on Hoopla. <laughs> well, <laughs> you missed this whole part, which I, you know, I think is now. Now that I'm thinking about it, is totally integral to the movie. Right. But, right. But okay, so yeah, that happens, and then it cuts to ancient egypt but not that ancient we're talking like 1928 ancient like you know like your gram your great grandpa ancient you know and they are doing an excavation and there's like a whole bunch of egyptian people and then there's like some british people who are in charge and they brush off some stuff and they see something and it looks kind of like you know a a relief carving but they're like is it a fossil and uh that's all we get. Oh, and there's also a little girl, of course, with a uh, with a piece of jewelry, of course. Is this before Titanic or after? <laughs> this is that era. Oh no, this is maybe right before. Yeah, it's a few years before. James Cameron yeah. owes somebody some money, <laughs> kind of. Well, yeah, I guess when she's an old lady and she has the jewelry. Though. Old ladies, jewelries. I think that counts. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. So that's all that happens sort of back then. Cut to the present. We have 
this guy. His name is Daniel Jackson. He's an Egyptologist, and he is giving this lecture about how the pharaohs couldn't have built the pyramids. And everybody is listening to this lecture all incredulous because everybody knows that, you know, they were just built, right? And everybody's asking him, okay, well, who built the pyramids then, smarty pants? And he doesn't seem to know. So it's <laughs> it's embarrassing. And he's got – this is James Spader. He's got long, floppy hair going, like, all over his face, and he's got these, like, glasses. And he's, like – he seems like he's just not meant for this world, you know? Like, he looks like he should be recording Rubber's soul. He doesn't look like he should be lecturing about Egypt. He looks like he should be recording a podcast, <laughs> excuse me. Yeah. It's very young. Yeah, he's J- baby James Spader. It's, uh, the, he's honestly just seeing his young face. Because we're so used to him looking mm-hmm. old, at least I am. Like he just, and so to see him so young, and he looks really young. Like he's... Like academics don't come like they like they take a while to make academics. Like you, you have, have to, to study for a long for a time. While. So you're in your thirties. Well, <laughs> yeah, you gotta sit on that. He egg is a for fraud. A he is like <laughs> widely yeah, dismissed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was also it was also weird to see him not playing an outward psychopath. It's like tricky. Like sometimes the psychopath slips in there. You know, you like you like get it. You know, like he doesn't seem to associate with people very well. At least not like Earth people. But uh, it's strange to see him. You know, being like this guy who's supposed to be kind of timid. But also we have Kurt Russell, and when we open on him, he is just sitting in this child's bedroom with his baby blues all just almost glistening. And he's holding a gun because he is, uh, seems like he's about to do something desperate. And then somebody knocks on his door and it's the army and they tell him that they're reactivating him. Yeah. They're like, you look like you're in good shape to <laughs> come back to active service. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, just sitting here Totally for unnecessary plot point. Just absolutely unnecessary plot point that his that his like son is dead for whatever reason. Well, his son. And, like, well, I thought it was funny that like the army guys come in and he's in his son's room and he tucks the gun under the pillow, mm-hmm. and then they leave and they're like, "What happened to that guy?" And the other one says, "His son accidentally shot himself." Well, no wonder he kept his gun <laughs> under the pillow. It's not a good place oh, for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They try to pay that off later, and it doesn't really well, work. Yeah. You can tell that this extended cut that I watched, I was like, wow, they're finding every scrap piece of footage to sell another Well, DVD no, I, I think, I think that's in the regular cut, too, if, if I think I know what you're alluding to. But uh, also, uh, I do want to say that Kurt Russell like looks way cooler in this scene. Yeah, <laughs> like he, he's got like the stubble and like kind of shaggy hair, and he... He looks he looks like Steak Plissken, mm-hmm. and then they completely ruin his hair. Oh yeah, they like. They, I mean, they make it like a perfect square. It is like. I mean, it's almost like Guile from Street Fighter. Yeah. It's so angular. That's what I thought. <laughs> it's very it, like everything Emmerich does. It's very cliche. Like everything is carved out in front of you. So like Will Smith is the like fast talking. Like you know, black guy. That's like one character star of like of a Roland Emmerich film, and then Kurt Russell is like the dejected military man. Like it's all just collection of stock characters. I mean, that's that's fine. I mean, on principle, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just it's so funny to see them all mm. collected. 
in in Roland Emmerich's movies, and it keeps happening. 2012 is the same way. <laughs> like it's uh, it's all just kind of familiar people that that are sort of roped together. Yeah, in well, a I mean, plot. that's also I mean that's such like a, a trope of these action movies, sort of at the time, like you know the the Armageddon's and the Rocks, and also like this movie has like a whole lot of other movies like. I mean, maybe I'm just thinking about it because Kurt Russell's in it. It kind of feels like the thing in Alien as well. Just they happen to go to, you know, uh, space Egypt instead of, you know, being stuck yeah. in, the, in the thing. Yeah. But anyway, so basically they've gathered all these people at this military base because they have this thing, this they don't know what it is. I mean, we don't know what it is at first, but it has all these symbols on it and they need Daniel to translate these symbols because he is the he's the most translatingest Egyptologist in the land. And uh so, you know, he goes in there and Richard Kind is the guy who has been working on the uh on the thing so far. And man, talk about people looking young. It's weird to see him, you know, looking like a, a... looking exactly the same as he does now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he does not age I, whatsoever. He's like I will Paul say, Rudd, but you know, <laughs> just already started up here. <laughs> no, no, I no. will say, like, I think my opinion of this movie would be way different if they just had it, if they just cut out the James Spader character and had this be an expedition led by Richard Kind. <laughs> yeah. Had everything happen the same, but it's Richard Kind. <laughs> it would be pretty hilarious. Yeah. Very. Excuse me. Uh, what? What do you? For all time. Who the hell translated this? I, I, I did. Well, this should read. A million years into the sky is Ra, sun god, sealed and buried for all time. It's not door to heaven. Is. Stargate. Oh, yeah. I also forgot to mention that um, the general is one of the guys from Deadwood. I don't know if you... uh, Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I can't remember his name, but uh, he's great. His voice is great. But so instantly, Daniel is able to solve this thing that has been puzzling the scientists for years, presumably since 1928. And then instantly, they're just like... Rever up, let's go. <laughs> Moments later. Well, also, okay, this whole thing is funny to me because they, yeah, they get him to translate the thing and he doesn't know about the Stargate. They literally, like, he, he's giving a presentation on, like, a whiteboard and they're like, we better show him. And the whiteboard he was using retracts and was, like, a secret passage. But the dumbest part about that is, like, the whole thing that they were using him to get to is they couldn't, like, figure out what the like last symbol mm-hmm. for to like activate the stargate was like what the last hieroglyphic should be they'd figure out all the others like they'd basically almost gotten there but they couldn't well first of all it's dumb for so many reasons one one <laughs> one reason it's dumb is because it's literally just a pyramid but one of them has a pyramid and two people on it and the other doesn't i think am i wrong i think so like, he was just like, hey, these two pyramids are the same. And they're like, oh, my God. <laughs> He's got Holy it. This shit. man. <laughs> but then also on top of that, like, it was just one symbol they were missing. Like, and there, I don't know how many there are on there, but if they had the sequence of all the others, couldn't they just spend like an hour and try it 
with each one. You know, sometimes you just see need a second works. set of eyes, you know? No, but they don't need it. Like, if you had, like, a password and you knew that the last number was, like, between one and seven, you say, well, let's try it up to one. Let's try it up to two. Let's try it up to three. Let's try it up to four. You would just, like... You would be able to figure that out in an afternoon. Like, you don't need that guy. Okay, Mr. Science. <laughs> Go back to Harvard. <laughs> yeah, you... <laughs> You're pushing too hard, J.M. You're going to break the movie. <laughs> no, only Daniel is special enough to do this because he's the person who has the inner truth. So they send a probe, first of all, into this Stargate and it doesn't come back. And then there's this whole thing about how, like, oh, they don't want to send a reconnaissance team because they won't be able to get back. Because I guess you need a Stargate on the other side, and it's going to have all these different symbols. So Kurt Russell doesn't even, you know, he he says it's totally off the table. But Daniel sort of convinces him that he'll be able to figure it out once he's there. He's like, I can do it. And they're like, well, he has been here for a day or two. (laughs) If. Let's, let's let him do it. <laughs> I don't even think that they've had lunch yet. Like they have the entire, like they have the entire resources of the U.S. government, military, like literally the strongest empire that has ever existed. Hundreds of millions of people, and and like twenty five year old James Spader is the key to their. Whole it's, thing. He, and he's just like a conspiracy theorist. It would be like, yeah, it would be like if the American government just sent like a YouTuber. <laughs> <laughs> like who has all these like an anti well, a couple of years ago <laughs> actually that would have been uh right right in keeping with the way things were going i will say that like when it came out i was very impressed by like the actual effects of the stargate itself yeah like that kind of like ripple water effects i remember being really cool at the time it's pretty neat i i mean i have to say i like the idea of the stargate And I even was a little bit on board for the sort of journey of discovery, even though it was happening remarkably fast that, you know, they sort of take you on like, here's the Stargate. Now we're going through. And now, like, the people are going to go through. It's like it's kind of exciting. Yeah. But once they get there, it gets like really dumb. (laughs) I mean, even dumber. Yeah, so they all go through. They they send one scientist, they send one Egyptologist, and then like 18 military guys, including another, like we talked about Billy Crystal last week on the show, we get another prime example of the 90s alpha male, <laughs> French Stewart. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was he doing in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so stupid it's so stupid this whole movie oh i mean it's, and it's i will say i think yeah. of like how how he got cast and like yeah maybe he's been like typecast since maybe he could play more more things when he was uh younger but uh... roland emmerich also has weird casting policies like harry connick jr is in independence oh, yeah. day like <laughs> it makes no sense all makes a lot of sense He's a handsome man. Yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> Hollywood is filled with handsome men. But they're not Harry Connick Jr. He's a crooner. <laughs> weird, weird. So yeah, they go through the thing. The thing. I can't remember the, the name. Star the name of the movie. Oh yeah, I, the name I, I of the forgot to movie mention. Movie and 47 TV shows. It, the name's very important because, you know, it's a 
big part of the translation that Richard Kind gets wrong because he says in the thing he has it translated as like the door to heaven, but it's the Stargate. Like door to heaven would really. I mean, never mind. I fucked up the joke. I was going to make a joke about knocking on heaven's door. <laughs> it doesn't work the same if it's knocking on the Stargate, right? <laughs> That's right. Oh, if they had like paid the big bucks to get Bob Dylan to record a Stargate centric version of that. Well, song. we know through Battlestar Galactica that Bob Dylan's music is linked to the uh, cosmological sphere. Oh, that's true. Or basically, oh, true. he like rips oh off the universe. One of those. So they also so one of the first things they see when they're there, they basically go and it's just another pyramid and another desert. Mm. So it's, I mean. Yeah, it's very similar to Earth, but James Spader sees like an alien horse creature mm-hmm. and offers it candy. And that's the point where I realized that this is just like eight Steven Spielberg movies crammed <laughs> into one movie. Like it's a, he's giving oh, yeah. an alien yeah. candy like yeah. E.T. Mm-hmm. I mean, the scene where James Spader's going through the Stargate plays just like the end of Close Encounters. We've got mm-hmm. the deserts from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay. We've got, you know, the it's kind of a Temple of Doom thing with them trying to like... Right save these people it's yeah it's it's just spielberg movies worse and shoved into (laughs) one tiny movie well i think you're half right in the sense that like yeah steven spielberg picks up on these things but like they're the the sort of deeper i would say sort of cultural genetics that this thing is kind of pulling from or like inside this movie is this is about a colonial encounter right like this is staging the colonial encounter and a bunch of a lots of fiction. I mean, a lot of it is nineteenth century, but like the Edgar Rice like, Burroughs, stuff? Edgar yeah. Rice Burroughs, yeah, like like John Carter, like all like this was high like nineteenth century, like especially sort of the second half. I mean, Egyptology is interesting because the, it's really an early 19th, 19th century thing. It's like 1800, 1799 or something. That's usually when people put the beginning of the sort of modern history mm-hmm. of Egypt is the Napoleon yeah. Napoleonic invasions, which has its own fucked up way of thinking about the world but this business of this movie is is part of a long continuum of movies that stage that use a sort of whatever like they use some like whatever stupid plot device in this case it's the stargate to just return to some sort of like profoundly sort of ground zero of culture which is the first encounter between the self and the native right or like the representation of our culture that produced this movie text whatever and the people who are helping us author it in the sense right and so like that that to me was the most shocking I was like, that's what this movie's about Real, like that's what like all these years that's what i've been watching is like because because i've seen the show i mean, I haven't seen the show but like i've seen the show reference then it's kind of become like it's even for like sci-fi nerds like us like it's kind of like a joke like Whoa, I it's don't... kind of like oh god how many stargate Going shows into dangerous are there? territory like i mean yeah sorry i know sorry stargate fans well, people, I'm sure it's people great, do like, like the show i and anything, i, I my, my brother was a big fan like of the show anything. actually yeah I, I do want to put it out there that I, I don't think any of us have ever seen any of the shows. So I've seen a few I, episodes. It's okay. Oh, okay. But I mean, like, right. they, they have MacGyver instead of uh, <laughs> Snake Plissken. So it's like. Yeah. <laughs> and that ran for like 10 years. That ran from like 97. Yeah. And then kept there's like multiple show. spinoffs. Yeah. Yeah. So for whatever reason, this movie taps into like a deep, like a profound sort of wellspring 
of, of, of sort of sentiments and problems and representations. And also like, uh, like other sort of canonical sci-fi things do this too, right? Like not Star like, Trek though. Uh, I mean, yeah, especially Star Trek, oh, no. Star Wars, like the encounter, like the encounter with the native is oh, this geez. really important scene. And like that is like, think of like C-3PO in Jedi, right? He convinces them that they're a god. Oh, no. Right. Like, 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 well, that's, that's yeah. Is, these Wait, are... so when that happens here, it's bad. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is a sta- like, oh, this man. is something that this is something that like conrad says in heart of darkness is that like or kurtz's character actually through kurtz he says we must get them to treat us like gods we must think of make them think of us as gods because of our our godlike technology and that's why you have like that scene with um whatever snake plissken kurt russell he's he's like playing with the he's playing with the lighter and stuff it's like mm-hmm. look at this technology look at this technology they explain it away they kind of like they kind of bluff it away the whole allegory of the colonial encounter by saying that like in the, I mean, we haven't gotten to this plot point, mm-hmm. but it turns out that the, the reason why this ancient civilization exists on this alien planet is that they were forcibly brought over through the Stargate to, as a labor. Okay. Force, I didn't right? understand Which, that. Again, I, maybe that was in the director's uh, cut, but no, pretty- I honestly like that was, was what I wanted to ask you guys is who are these people? Are th- these people are from Earth and brought here, or these are aliens? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. These are they're from Earth. They were brought there by an alien. Well, who are the aliens who, then? Who use them? That's the thing. It's, it's just, just this guy. Alien, it's just one guy. It's this guy who then, who? But then he did the thing. He did the thing that. This is the crazy thing. They project like onto this this uh sun raw or whatever raw <laughs> they project onto him like the policies of like european empire which was make them think we're gods and make them do and they'll do what we tell them to do and we'll use them as a cheap labor force and whatever right like and so it's a weird projection of of a mo- almost entirely white like everyone in that like colorado room hey, yeah whatever is like entirely white like there's not even a pre- <laughs> where are the egyptian egyptologists at <laughs> i mean like whatever i mean egyptology is like a white discipline whatever fine but like like that is uh i mean of course there's like modern there's there's people in egypt who actually do it and they have been doing it for millennia but that didn't matter to europeans but like this business of 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 the colonial encounter is so powerful and it's so troubling. I mean, not troubling, but like think about it. this is 1994. American soldiers mm-hmm. are 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 all over the Middle East. They're all over like yeah. Saudi Arabia. Uh, they're they're in northern Iraq. They set up that autonomy that no fly zone. Yeah, and this movie they're, has that whole like liberation narrative. Yeah, at the end, it turns out to be a weirdly, you know, it's covered up as, oh, you're oppressive, you're oppressive foreign lead, like this import, impress, like your oppressive leader of these uncivilized people. He's mistreating, he's mistreated them or she or whatever. And we're going to arm these, uh, arm these dispossessed people to fight back and whatever, right? So it turns into this weird, you know, and, and and it's no accident that Lawrence of Arabia sort of wannabe music is playing oh, across yeah. the whole movie. Like that music, because that's what Lawrence, that's what T.E. Lawrence was. T.E. Lawrence was a low level or mid-level British agent sent by sent sent by the British Crown to help to help uh, help organize the revolt of the Arab tribes against the lingering power of the Ottoman Empire. Right? So like T.E. Lawrence 
is that sort of like a minor figure in that who was blown up to this hugely important figure because of the fucking yeah. movie and because of the weird culture. And I, but him. I think you've hit it on the uh, head. I think that's the movie that yeah. I, that's like Spielberg's favorite movie that that and the searchers. Yes, exactly. Right. So that yeah, becomes exactly. like him and his school's you know, that influences all of his movies. And then it's like broken telephone that gets, yeah. you know, knocked down a peg and, and everyone tries to copy that. And then, like you said, there's everything that was happening in the world at the time in the early nineties. Yeah. Uh, but I was genuinely confused because yeah, they, <laughs> they, they treat these people like they're not like, Oh my God, there's fellow earthlings here. They treat them oh. like a fucking alien race. It's, that's why I was confused. Yeah. It's weird. Uh, Stay back. They have fangs. But that's empire. I mean, but that's empire, right? Is that like the alienness, foreignness? Mm-hmm. Like these are. That's why Arrival is a really good movie. Like Arrival is mostly about a translator, and it's Just mostly like and it's like and it's like the weird things that translation requires. Whereas all of the sort of linguistic elements from those are all just like cover up for you know the sort of action the dumb action movie that this movie is right like it's all just kind of all the egypt stuff and the science stuff it's it's just it's just pretext to get to the explosions and the whatever right so like it's interesting that so much fodder like cultural fodder has been made of this over the decades that like this really dumb concept has just been manufactured to all that and very uncreative whatever like it's not you know has just been turned into and like respun for so much i mean i mean roland emmerich sits on like a pile of gold coins because (laughs) of these movies because like people just eat all this stuff up now it's interesting carol co this was a carol co movie right how do you say that? Carol Co? Carol Co? I don't know how to say it. The same people who did Total Recall and I think some of the Rambo movies right. or something. Like big swinging dick movies, if, if one, if I can describe it that way. Like, and so it's interesting that this, this that is, this is totally one, of their, one that. of their later ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I, I do want to get into like that first encounter because they go to this like community <laughs> Mm-hmm. Again, it's it's also it's just so like it's just so localized. Like if these these people were again, I'm so confused by what actually happened. These people were like kidnapped in the days of ancient Egypt. Yeah. Is that right? And they've just been like kind of yeah. kept in this stasis of ancient yeah. Egypt. But they also like aren't that many of them. Like <laughs> like why isn't it why why is the whole planet not like full of people? Like why is it just this one tiny village? But in any case, they all like they welcome them back. It's basically like the, mm-hmm. the Ewok C three PO thing because they think James Spader yeah. is a god because they, they offer him a woman, which he you know is good enough to. What the fuck was that? Yeah, all that. <laughs> that's all. That's every cliche of these colonial encounter narratives. Like it's always the elder tribesmen offering. And then they're like, no, no, I won't. No, no, no. But then later, like, they're like, yeah. This, this is this. But, yeah, yeah, and there's like, <laughs> now I've earned it. Yeah, it's so fucked up, man. No, 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 no. You don't, you don't have to do that, please. Maybe you should go. Okay, it's okay. Maybe you should go. No, no, it's okay, it's okay. It's all right. We'll, here, oh, yeah, let me grab this. Hey, you want to go to the house? Are you back, Harim? Yeah, you're Harim. Me too. Me too. 
No, 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 no. It's me. I want to thank, thank you. I want. I'm very, I'm very happy. This is a crazy thing. I mean, I was thinking this. Like, there are, there are, like, nine years later, the U.S. invades Iraq illegally, kills, uh, it begins a process that would take the lives and kill over a million Iraqis. Like, there are men who go to Iraq who kill Iraqis who grew up loving this movie. Like, like that's the reality of American Orientalism. It's not just some abstract thing. Like, it's not, it's not just like, you know, people like us with too much time on their hands talking about it for a podcast. Like, it really is like you prepare the mental landscape for the conquest that your politicians and your military leaders will lead and you're going to be a part of. And this, and, and, and it helps us, convinces us of the justness of our work. Right. Is that like, I mean, I'm not saying that like there's you can draw a direct line between Stargate and and the invasion of Iraq. But it's that the people who consume these kinds of texts, this is where it trains mm. them that that dehumanization level. Like, as you said, it like they treat them like these alien creatures and they're like not humans. Right. Because that's what like the line between alien and human is very flimsy, especially after 500 years of like white supremacist, like European rule. Right. So like it's easy. And like those scenes where like Kurt Russell is talking to them and they're like dogs basically like he like puts mm-hmm. their hands over and they start copying him yeah. like babies like like it's really like this is profoundly profoundly racist it, yeah. was, it was staggeringly and, racist is there something was, worse than yeah. staggering because oh I would like to use that one <laughs> It was it was kind of shocking. I was trying to look up to see if there was any like backlash at the time and I couldn't find anything cuz even like when did True Lies come out? Cuz that like there were yeah, it was same around era, the same yeah. time yeah, and like there were Earth. protests. So there were articles right. Yeah. No, but this like yeah. this was what crazy. No, but that's true. No, you're Egypt. right, Rob, you're right because you can you know, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like you can allo- you can turn those racist sort of colonial encounter narratives into allegory, science fiction allegories very easily. And that's John Carter. Mm-hmm. That's like the OG text of this whole genre is John Carter. Sex. What's funny is that John Carter, the movie, so many years later, just just implodes. It doesn't have anything. Whereas this movie, which is extremely dumb, John Carter uh like this is this or like what was it called uh, princess of mars. Man on mars yeah. or something prince yeah princess of mars and uh like this is extremely dumb dumber version of that i mean i didn't see the john carter movie i read the novel but um but yeah no it's it's uh it, it, yeah like I, i'm not a guy who's like precious about this stuff like i don't like I, 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 you know, JM, JM knows me from, for a long time. And, and Rob, you know me too, actually, for a while too. So like, I, I come on these shows and I talk about like representation and stuff. But like, like this movie is, is for a mass audience. It's for, it's designed to be watched by millions of people. It's not some art house thing. It's not six <laughs> degrees of separation, right? Like this is a mass, like this is a mass text. And as such, and especially because of the, the child aspect to this and like the blockbuster aspect, when this movie comes out, 1994, a kind of important moment in Hollywood history, it's kind of, I mean, this is Hollywood at its height, kind of, right? Like 1999, yeah. supposedly the greatest year in Hollywood filmmaking is like five years around the corner. But like in terms financially, sort of materially, American culture industry is never going to be as strong as this decade. And the fact that like this movie is such a hit 
hit and it produces immense amount of culture afterwards is, I mean, to me, such an indictment of of everything that we grew up with. It's like, what's like this movie? Like, because it insults your intelligence on top of being racist too. Like, it's not. It definitely like, the insults your intelligence. Culture don't think much of us, <laughs> and you watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was like, oh, God. I was prepared, oh, you, you know, because Cena. I knew that we were having you on this podcast. I knew that we would bring up colonialism somewhere. I knew that it was going to be somewhere in this movie, right? And so I was like, okay, there's some, like, Egyptian aesthetic. That's, like, you know, it's a little bit iffy. But then but then when they got to the village and they started, like, worshiping, like, gods, it was like, oh, man, that's just, like, oof. Yeah. yeah. And giving the, them, like, the, a candy the, bar the girl, and, like... like... And the, yeah. Well, so yeah. this girl, you know, yeah, the elder's daughter, yeah. you know, oh. is offered to Daniel, and he's too good to to take her because he's not like that, you know, not like those like ruffians in the in the Marines, you know, yeah. but not like French Stewart over there. <laughs> no, no, no. But rather, he he shows her <laughs> that he has a unique soul, and you know, they have like this whole big thing. And then, of course, they're destined to be together anyway. And I think later people think that they're married anyway because he wasn't supposed to say no to to her. So that's it's weird. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and troubling. <laughs> and also while they're there, Kurt Russell also bonds with the boy that is that girl's yeah. brother because obviously, like, uh, he is a little bit, uh, you know, broken up still about his son. And so he has like a a little bit of a connection, you know. Yeah. Well, he gives them first this connection manifests as him giving him uh, cigarettes and a lighter, <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, he reaches for the gun and and then he yells at him, and that's like the last time that sort of character backstory comes into play. Like there's, no, you know, but it's also that kid that he freaked out about touching his gun in the tent. Is also like the same kid that they just give a gun to at the end. <laughs> yeah. So his arc is basically like learning that sometimes you should give children guns. <laughs> like maybe just train them. I don't know. Brought to you by the NRA. <laughs> yeah. Keep it. It's yours. No! Dangerous! Yeah, these are moderate <laughs> rebels, ancient Egyptian moderate rebels, basically. But let's talk about Ra for a minute, because this was also confusing. And this is also notable for the character being played by Jay Davidson, mm -hmm. who was only in one other major release, which was The Crying Game, for which he was Oscar nominated. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of like a big deal. Passed over for this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he... I One of the less discussed Oscar snubs. <laughs> I, I mean, I've got more to talk about him and how he got involved with this movie in the trivia section of the show, but it is weird to see him. But like, I, I certainly hadn't seen The Crying Game 
when I saw this movie as a kid, but having seen it now, it's, it's, it's funny. It's, it's, it's a bold choice. Like I did read that originally they were, they were supposed to be just like an old guy right. as the villain. And instead they were like, somehow it came up probably just because they wanted to capitalize on, you know, on the buzz and, and success of that performance that they uh, ended up getting Jay Davidson, but it's weird. It's mm-hmm. real weird. It's confusing. I mean, there were some rewrites with the character. I guess we'll just mention it now, but like originally it wasn't supposed to be raw or an alien. It was supposed to be just another human who was like being controlled by the alien. And that wasn't going well at test screening. So they were like, fuck it. Let's make that character an alien. So they just like made his eyes glow and like did something to his voice so it's it's also like a confusing oh, part that, of the story that corny vocoder yeah. thing like that's something we watched in like there was this like do you guys remember this we used to watch this in like school it was called zardip search for health and wellness it was like this weird canadian like show for kids that they made and they had like the same cheap kind of vocoder voice for like the alien and i was like this is a multiple million dollar movie and you have like a like you have audacity levels of sound editing skills like at your <laughs> like and the oh god the the um the cgi of this movie does not hold up my god that is that's worse than like tomb raider it, one it's a bit like the movie the, it's what, a bit iffy yeah it does not look good and the those early scenes, like apparently those were shot in Arizona, the nineteen uh, twenties scenes. Those were like shot in Arizona, and you can totally tell that it's like you know just a cheap like. Why do Roland Emmerich's movies are like this? They're expensive, but they look incredibly cheap and dumb. Mm. Like they <laughs> well. look like I mean they are dumb, but they look cheap. <laughs> I don't know. Like I don't know. I mean Godzilla was kind of like that. It kind of looked. It looked. I mean I guess Godzilla was like in a big city, but like. I don't know. Roland Emmerich got some fucking issues. But the thing about the thing I found sort of interesting about the Jay Davison character is that like they chose to make this character. I mean, he's obviously like a sort of uh, effeminate. Plays it very effeminately. There's like there's bits where you know he interacts with other characters in ways that might be homoerotic, and that made me think about some other. It made me think about like the movie 300 where the uh the persians are also sort of like painted as these like you know really effeminate sort of things and uh and i think like that's a a thing that has been written about like you know the uh the sort of like othering of other cultures as like you know uh problematically gay and also like you know yeah putting you know making gay people seem like a a threat you know well it's it's an old disney you know trick well, yeah, that too. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, that's the thing. The foreignness is so, is such a useful category that you can do so much with it. So, like, foreignness can be skin color, foreignness can be, la- I mean, the language that these people supposedly speak, like that main guy, I can't Rob? remember his name. No, not the main, like, the main, the main villager oh, guy, like, yeah, the head whatever. of the village. Like, he, like, he's just, like, he's, like, he's just using, like, dumb words. Like, it's fake language. Like, you, you. Like, like it's just... Right. Yep, you yep. Know what I mean? It's just, like, this insulting... Yeah, like, it's this insulting, low-intelligence kind of form of communication. I mean, one thing they can hide behind that is, like, well, this evil alien kept these people underdeveloped. 
So they're they're out of they're anachronistic. They exist outside of time. And so that's why they're like undeveloped and they don't read. Now, this is another important colonial, extremely common colonial kind of talking point, which is we will bring the light of education to these dark spaces mm-hmm. of the earth. And the whole thing of teaching literacy yeah. and the idea of what literacy offers in terms of opening the mind, as if like 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 only after like literacy is given to them do they think about their identity, right? Which is like bullshit. Like you can you don't need to be literate to like have an identity to understand that you're being exploited and use the slave labor. Like even if African American slaves weren't like enslaved people weren't like literate, they still knew what they were in society and they still knew that it was like wrong and unfair. Like you don't like, and they still revolted too. So like this whole thing of turning them into modern subjects, bringing them the light of modernity and then ally with them to overthrow their unjust God, fake God, right? Like that is, I mean, this is, this is just, this is just, you know, gourmet, gourmet imperial culture. Yeah. That, you know, colonial culture, like a 19th century variety. I mean, it really, this guy, Roland Emmerich, really loves this stuff. He really, like, like you know, I mean, this is a debate that Jay and I, Jam and I had over King <laughs> Kong, Peter Jackson's King Kong long ago, about, about, like, the viscerality of that movie and how, like, there is, like, like blackness is rendered as, like, disgusting mm. and alien and right. gross, whereas the innocence of, what is it, Naomi, whatever her name Naomi is. Naomi Watts? Yeah, Naomi Watts. Like, is it her? That well, that, is her? Yeah, that movie is yeah. especially bad. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, like that innocence of like, but like that, those are colonial encounter movies too, right? For like sure. that's another famous one of of locating, lo- locating your own sense of self and using the foreigner sort of alterity or otherness to sort of anchor that. I mean, that is all over. Yeah, the, P- the Peter Jackson one, like it basically took like what was in the original King Kong and somehow made it worse in like the 2000s. Yeah. 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 Like he made, like, he's like, can you make it more racist and look nicer? (laughs) And longer. Like, and longer. Uh, Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like when you, when you get to, when you talk about, when you render like questions of race and culture and identity and like, you know, history and like the, like the imbalance of power between North and South. Right. Like when you, when you allegorize that into movies like King Kong or this movie or whatever, like you can say things that you couldn't say otherwise. And that's why you use those sort of plot. That's why you use those plots because you can, you can represent it, but you can't, you can't like, I mean, I guess you can, you you can't like do that same sort of colonial fantasy today, but you can certainly cover it up with like, Oh, aliens and whatever. And actually one of the things about this movie is that like the premise of this movie is actually confirming one of these kind of racist online sort of fetish points which is oh the egyptians couldn't have built those pyramids it's way too advanced for those dumb fucking people so clearly aliens had to do it yeah right which is like it's so impossible for, and this is something that people say about like indigenous architecture here or across the world right like this is something that modern people have invented projecting contemporary racist attitudes about the world onto the distant past so that we can justify ourselves in collecting that past. I mean, for God's sakes, the Stargate is in Colorado. <laughs> How did they get to Colorado from Egypt? <laughs> like, like 
that scene, that scene. Oh, we haven't talked about that open scene or the second opening scene of of 1920s Egypt, right? At like the the um, whatever that kind of that was one of the one of the high points of Egyptology was that time. But that's really that's like really in the direct aftermath of the British and French conquest of the former of the of the lands that used to belong to the Ottoman Empire. Like that's like they're about to make like they've created they've created the modern countries that we know today. Or more or less, like they've laid the groundwork, right? Like man, like they're gonna, they have their mandate in Palestine, they in Syria, they, you know, whatever Lebanon is carved out. Like all these, this is when it's happening. It begins in this time, and so the fact that they go to this period, extract, you know, this this Stargate thing, take it to Colorado where they can experiment on it, and it takes them seventy years. And it's just, it's, it's so stupid. The woman who was a child <laughs> at the dig in 1928 is still working on it like 60 years later you gotta get tired so of it stupid. after that you yeah. gotta you, you you have you failed <laughs> lady. you failed if you couldn't figure it out in 60 years and 20 year old james spader figured it out like you did something wrong with your life you didn't do something <laughs> right Harsh. Like, oh man I do think, yeah, there's also something about that opening scene, which we didn't really talk about is like, uh, and I do want to talk more uh, in the trivia section about like that. uh, Yeah, the the conspiracy theory that the pyramids were uh, built by aliens and the history of that. I want to talk about that a bit later. But like that idea that like that central idea of like tying Egypt and specifically ancient Egypt to magic was so ingrained in uh, in our childhood entertainment uh in movies like this and you know the mummy? movies like the mummy in movies like uh even in like yeah. the indiana jones movies and and it, you know it, and it predates that conspiracy theory like thinking back to like the uh you know like when they first uh exhumed the king tut yeah. tomb and it was like, like and people were yeah, and people were just dying. Like there yeah, were, you know, germs in there, and people were getting hit by cars, and people were dying of old age, and and it was attributed to a curse. And I, yeah, and I think there is something about like I don't know all the history of it, but I think uh, I, part of that mythologizing of like ancient Egypt by people at that time, like a certain amount of it has to be like <laughs> a justification for the fact that you're, you're just breaking in and <laughs> right. stealing dead people. Stealing? Like yeah. if you make Which it is- magic and like a haunted thing, yeah. it's, you know, it makes it, it makes it an adventure. But if, if you look at yeah. it for what it actually is, it's just kind of ghoulish and horrible and indefensible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, there are there are like statues that stood for like thousands of years in like in places that are now sitting in Chicago, like London, you know, like Berlin, right? Like they just carted them off. Like they carted them oh. off. Like they, I'm they, sure there they, are statues they, they, here in Toronto that <laughs> are from yeah, Egypt. Yeah. yeah, like they like like the like the like the um, what's it called the obelisks and stuff. Like they looted this country like a bunch of times over. And I mean, my God, they shot at the Sphinx. Like this is this yeah. is like this is what imperialism is. It's this violent terrorist force that rolls over the world and sucks up anything. And it's so funny how 
you know, does this like is this movie proof that the crimes of those eras are still sort of weighing on us, like as a culture that we need to like expedite them and sort of expiate them, or um, what's the word I'm like? Not expiate them. I want they we want to exercise them. Like, are yeah, is that, that's why we get like, a, do these movies exist. We get a mummy yeah. movie every like ten years. <laughs> that's the yeah. true mummy's because, curse. I mean, like. like, like like there were waves of Egyptomania in Europe in the 19th century and 20th century, like waves of it, like the way that like things come in and out of fashion. That was Egyptology. I mean, great. Like I think to this day, you still get taught ancient Egypt in like, oh, yeah. public schools. Like why? Like why would we do that? Like what? What sense does that make to us? Like why pick just that one? tiny corner of the world of of a moment to tell that story there are incredible civilizations all around the world but for whatever reason i mean i know there's a couple of reasons but for like imperialist colonial reasons like historical reasons that are very concrete we get it begins you know we get king tut we get that sort of you know we get those sort of signifiers of ancient egypt right and um, you know, I mean, it's it's nuts, and it's movies like this that continue that legacy. I mean, it's insane that they still make the money mummy movies, even though they don't like the last one did a big did tank big time. Right? Oh yeah, the yeah. the most recent one, the Tom Cruise one. Yeah, you guys did an episode on it. You guys ripped it to shreds. I remember. It's a very I don't good think episode. we did. <laughs> no, no, did it? Well, we talked about a, the you, Brendan Fraser. No, you one. did. You talked about the Brendan Fraser yeah. one, but it was coming out. I think probably. Yeah, I mean, I I saw it for work, and yeah, it's it's horrible. Um. Yeah, we we should probably wrap this segment up and move on to the trivia. Do you guys have anything else to say about the plot of the movie? Um, James Spader stays. They beat the bad guy. They they uh, teleport yeah. the bomb. There was a bomb, by the way. Oh, yeah. yeah. They nuke. They like nuke the. They, they teleport it up in the MRI machine, the vertical MRI machine. Which feels <laughs> 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 yeah gives me the creeps. And uh, but then it blows up the guy, and that's the uh, that's how they do it. Blows up the space pyramid. And that's it. Stargate. How do they even do with the sequels? There's sequels of this movie, right? Or is just, it just the TV, TV shows? shows? You know, they've taught. Apparently, they've talked about. They envisioned it as a trilogy, and uh, never happened. Hmm. Uh, but yeah. Uh, but it, yeah, it became many other TV shows. Um, some of which we'll discuss right after this break. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. We're back on Rewatchability. We're talking about Stargate with Sina Romani. Uh, we're not big fans of this movie, <laughs> as you can probably tell. Well, maybe, um, maybe. Let's leave a little bit of surprise possibility open. I do have uh, some trivia questions for you guys. Okay. You this isn't going to be any like hieroglyphics or anything, is it? Yes, it's a, it's a translation. I have Richard Kind here. Richard, would you come in and uh, <laughs> Jackal? I have Horus. Uh, so uh, this movie came out in 1994. Stars Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell has one other screen credit in 1994. 
Do you guys know what that is? Mm. No. Mm. No idea. Well, he was the uncredited voice of Elvis in Forrest Gump. Right. What? Yeah, oh, yeah, because young Elvis shows up to Forrest's house where he stays with his yeah, mom. Something or like whatever. That. Yeah. I don't remember. And he teaches him how to dance or something. Yeah, exactly. The uh, the music, I'd say like the real legacy of this movie, other than the TV shows, is the music. Because mm-hmm. that music was constantly used in other trailers. The composer was a guy named David Arnold, who had only ever done one other feature film. He'd done some other like uh, student films, and he did something with Bjork. But he wasn't like a a big composer at the time. In fact, at the time he was hired to do the score for Stargate, he had just applied for a job at a video store. Oh, wow. Uh, could have been the renting UK. out Stargate. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man. Can you imagine if he, yeah, if he hadn't gotten the gig and had to like, yeah, rent, rent out VHS copies of Stargate for like a year afterwards. But you know, I have no way of really fact-checking your answers here, but I wondered if you guys could think of any other trailers that uh, feature the Stargate music. I have a few of them written down here, uh, but the, yeah, I've... I can't even I can't even name the music. It doesn't it does it doesn't remember that it's not that memorable to me. I think I only remember it from the TV show because um, they use the same music, obviously, for the TV yeah. show. Yeah, I'm going to say Stuart Little. No, not Stuart Little. Mm-hmm. You can't. Did you fact check that? <laughs> well, I've gotten some written down here. It said it was used in the trailers for movies like Deep Rising, Independence Day, Jumanji, The it Mummy, uh, Polar Express, oh, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, Waterworld, and Drag Me to Hell, which uh, I don't remember, but. Wow. Sure. And last question I have for you. So I, I'm not going to do a deep dive into the TV shows because I really don't have the time. Who does? Uh, I I rattled off uh, facts about like 18 different Beethoven movies a few weeks ago, <laughs> but I am not going to figure out what happened in all of these Stargate shows. But I did want to ask you guys if you know which future Justice League star appeared in the show Stargate Atlantis because they brought in a whole thing about Atlantis into it. Which future Justice League? Okay, which one is the Justice League? (laughs) It's the one with Batman and Wonder Woman. Okay. Uh, Zack Snyder made it. I'm going to say Jason Momoa because he gets underwater a lot. (laughs) It is Jason Momoa. All right. Uh, he played uh, Ronan Dex on Stargate Atlantis. Oh, wow. And actually, I'm looking at the IMDb for Stargate Atlantis right now, and it looks like Richard Kind shows up in hey, it. Hey! That's nice. Give him, give him some work. Yeah, that's right. I saw that he uh, he was in that show. Yeah. Is he the same same guy? I don't think so. Okay. We never that's find out what bad. happens to him. Presumably, he has a, a good life. Yeah, I guess. He's, Yeah. <laughs> Again, I would have loved it if uh, this movie was about him. So, uh, yeah, there's some interesting stories about the making of this movie. Yeah, one was the casting of Jay Davidson, who, like I said, wasn't in a lot of movies. Like, he was basically just plucked out of obscurity for The Crying Game. Uh, he was at a 
uh, after party for a Derek Jarman movie and, uh, and was approached to audition for the movie. Uh, got it. Didn't even really seem to want to do the movie <laughs> from what I've read or like be part of the entertainment industry. Like he was working in fashion and, uh, later became a model, but, uh, hmm. Yeah, it's it's fun. Looking at like old interviews with him, um, it's it's funny because like no one seems to understand that he wouldn't want to be a movie star. Like all all the interviews, is like, what are you doing next? He's like, I I don't know if I want to do something. And it, weirdly, uh, like pre Stargate, you know, in a few interviews, he bragged about not having an agent and said like he doesn't want an agent because he doesn't want to do end up doing a bad movie <laughs> because they offer him a bunch of money and that's basically what happened like they offered him uh, a million dollars mm. or or well the story goes that he asked for a million dollars because he thought there was no way they would say yes and they did say yes so he ended up doing it he just been nominated for an oscar you can't you can't yeah. demand a um, one one million dollars when you've been nominated for an Oscar? Yeah. Man, the way the way Hollywood kind of just chewed that movie out, just they made so many jokes about the ending of that movie, like oh, the yeah. success. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's uh, how it exists in the culture, really. Though uh they also said like he was really into like the costumes in the film, like when he saw what they were doing and saw the costumes, because he worked in fashion. Mm-hmm. They did have to like adjust the costumes. Like you'll notice, like a lot of them, like the the costumes come up like just above the nipple, and that's because he didn't want to take his nipple rings out <laughs> because he he said he just oh got them God. and, and oh thought that they God. like the openings would seal up if he. What raw <laughs> can't have, have nipple rings? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Make them and, out of like uh, an Ouroboros or something, you know. You know, I yeah, I just find him like a a very curious figure, and especially because like yeah, I totally like imagine if like you or I or or just anyone that you know was just randomly like thrust into such a spotlight, like mm-hmm. and didn't even have like the intention or or the desire to be an actor, and and yeah, like you can find that very unappealing. So I th- I think it's it's very strange that he's in this movie and I haven't seen the crying game since like not long after it came out. But like, I remember him being really good in that movie, but it was like, like you said, like you remember the conversations around that movie at the time more than the movie itself. I I Um, haven't even seen it. I've just seen like, yeah, like the parodies and you know, the problematic jokes and you know, the reputation really, to be honest. Right. There were also some stories about like, I guess he didn't, this isn't really funny, but he didn't have a very good time making the movie because he was like, this isn't the funny part, but he was coming off heroin. Oh, jeez. And his his personal assistant, he had a personal assistant who was the, the bass player from Frankie Goes to Hollywood. <laughs> and it said on the second day of shooting, he disappeared with Jay's phone, all of his petty cash and his methadone. <laughs> I said, oh first he was hysterical, then it got really bad. I could write a book about it. That's what Roland Emmerich said. So, <laughs> Isn't the Will Ferrell <laughs> yeah. character in Zoolander from Frankie Goes to Hollywood? I don't remember. So, yeah, the yeah, really, I mean, I, I will say, like, casting him in that role is one of the things that makes this movie actually memorable. For sure. Yeah. Though, like we said, there it's are some like weird and problematic. 
Yeah, it's problematic in the sense that, like, yeah, they probably were seeking, like, an androgynous uh, uh, character to to further the uh, the disassociation from yeah from our our well, and there's also French Stewart. Yeah, there's also like that weird thing about like the children, you know, and like this movie has like yeah. a theme of like you know exploiting children to it. And they sort of, like, put that as, like, you know, oh, of course these cultural others are okay. This is what they do. They exploit children, and that's why he has this, like, weird harem of almost naked kids. That was unpleasant and, yeah, bad. But I will say just purely from a performance standpoint, I mean, he's speaking in ancient Egyptian, and they put stuff on it. But, like, he, he certainly had a screen presence, and that, you know, is part of the reason why he was nominated for an Oscar not long before that. Absolutely. And and I think it does make the movie stand out. There, This movie was sued. Whoa. Did you, did you guys By about Egypt? This? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no. You can't just say that we didn't <laughs> build the pyramids, one. assholes. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, sued by a guy named Omar Zudi. Oh. I think that's how you pronounce it, who is a high school teacher who had written a similar movie treatment and submitted it to one of the studios, I guess, in 1984. Mm. But he thought it was similar enough to sue for, and and it was enough to warrant a trial, though it was settled out of court for, I, th- I think he sued for, like, the gross of the movie. Like, he sued for, like, $195 <laughs> million dollars or something, but it was settled for just 50000 mm. So I, I, I don't know exactly what happened, but he did, not too long ago publish his version of the story as a book. Oh, nice. Uh, I, I should read that since by. I've read the... Uh... <laughs> I can't believe you read it. I cannot believe you read it. I can. What is wrong with you? Wait, what wait, is I, wrong I'm with literate? You, <laughs> <laughs> or is that just because of colonialism? Maybe it is. I don't know. No, you're wasting your okay. literacy. <laughs> yeah. You should read uh, like uh, Edward Said or something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rob you, Rob, you know Blaine and I don't let you read. <laughs> no. You, you want to keep them underdeveloped. Yeah, we don't even want you to, like, draw things in the sand. <laughs> I'm just here to uh, make these podcasts and edit them together. <laughs> the, uh, uh, the book, if anyone's interested, is called Egyptscape. Hmm. Egyptscape. Uh, okay. Uh, Not a great title. Stargate's pretty good. Like I mentioned, there were action figures for this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I, I imagine a lot of kids reused the James Spader one if they ever wanted to play erotic <laughs> 90s thriller with their friends. Yeah, yeah one of my uh, Transformers, you know? <laughs> there were, like we said, a whole bunch of TV shows, live action, and an animated series, oh. which I don't remember happening. Stargate but... Babies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if there's anything that this movie proves is that like the goal the goal of Hollywood execs is to create a franchise because you can it can you don't have to worry about, you know, like a new like you if you can create a fan base, then they'll just you know, this is something that you, you kind of enlightened me to, JM, in terms of when you talk about like, oh, you know, we hated the rise of Skywalker or whatever, like a lot of people liked it. Like that's fine. Like it's a lot of people liked it, and they didn't go on the internet to talk about how much they liked it. 
And so it's, you know, there's always a market for these things. And this, this movie is proof that there's always a market. Some hardcore whatever Stargate you movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There. This movie was a big hit. But like I said, it was a big hit, but they never made a sequel because I think it was like the experience I had. Like every, everyone went to the movies and had a good fun, had a good time going to the movies. And then, you know, no one thought about it again. And Nolan I, Emmerich doesn't seem to be like a sequel guy, though. Does he make sequels? Well, they made the Independence Day one and that but did not like go well. But that's like the reboot, right? Yeah. It was a yeah, sequel. It was, like, it was uh, Judd Hirsch was in yeah, it. Yeah, it's true. Crying yeah, out loud. It was a sequel. Yeah. But uh, it was like... But, you know, I think the problem with this movie, and it's the problem with a lot of the other movies, is, like, his leads are just bad. Like, for, you know, we've yeah. talked a lot about how offensive this movie is to, like, the supporting cast of, of cartoon characters. But, like, the lead characters are also uh, terribly drawn. Like, it, there's even, you know, I, I think a lot of this movie, I, it was so short, uh, such a short time span, but, like, it seems patterned off of off of Jurassic Park in a lot of ways. <laughs> but like Jurassic Park made everybody have differing viewpoints but still be smart. Right. And this movie even takes its smartest or its seemingly smartest characters and makes them dumb for no reason other than maybe someone will chuckle. Like there's that scene where like, oh you know, this is another uh, you know, hallmark of of uh kind of gross colonialist fantasy movies but like the scene where they're eating the gross food and it's like the the lizard creature that they have to eat or else they'll insult their hosts mm-hmm. and uh, uh james spader uh eats it and then says oh it tastes like chicken and then he starts like doing an impression of a chicken oh that was the worst shit in the world but it's also like why and everyone just looks at him like he's an idiot. But it's also like, well, don't make if he's supposed to be the smartest guy, don't make him into like the idiot for this scene. Like it yeah. uh, So just yeah, yeah I, I think like, yeah, that's part of your problem. No one wants to see these people ever again for the rest of their <laughs> lives. <laughs> We're uh, just glad and, that James Spader stayed on that planet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> James Spader has since publicly said that he only did this movie for the money. He said that about uh, every other movie script. he's done as well. Uh, probably. Kurt Russell refused to do it, said he hated the script, and then they found out they sent him like an earlier draft, and they sent him a later draft, and he was like, oh, it's not that bad. So he agreed to do it. And at one point, apparently, according to Dean Devlin, there was a scene where James Spader was refusing to come out of his trailer until they rewrote the scene <laughs> to make it better. And Kurt Russell came in and said, uh, come on, you got to, you know, I was trying to get him out. And uh, and James Spader said, come on, admit it. The dialogue's horrible. And Kurt Russell said, of course, it's horrible. That's why they pay you a million dollars. If it was brilliant, <laughs> you'd do it for free. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great line. Yeah. So everyone kind of knew this was garbage while they were making it. But speaking to that, like, uh, you know, problematic conspiracy theory about, like, the pyramids being created by aliens. And am I the only one on this podcast who has been in the pyramids? Yes. Whoa. It it smelled like B.O. in there. (laughs) A a lot of that was the tourists, but I did not get a distinct alien vibe. (laughs) From the yeah. pyramids, maybe that's yeah. what they smell like. Maybe they don't have a uh, pit stick in. But it in was space. like it was like I mean they just like heard the tourists and like through these like very tiny like 
shafts. It was insanely claustrophobic and uncomfortable. And I can't imagine anyone actually going there and getting any kind of like majesty. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's a tomb. You're not supposed to hang out. And it's across the street from like I think it's a KFC. <laughs> like it is. It is. Yeah, the majesty of the pyramids has been somewhat marred by uh, by modernity. <laughs> but uh, but that theory, the, the the I don't know if this is the origin point for that conspiracy theory, but certainly one of the big ones. And the way this the filmmakers of this film were exposed to it was the book Chariots of the Gods. Mm. You know that, Cena, that book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of it. And the book Chariots of the Gods was like a bestseller and made into a movie in the 70s. And for some reason, the book was by Eric Von Daniken, I think. And for some reason, when uh, Roland Emmerich was in film school in Germany, they showed him the movie of Chariots of the Gods in film school. And it it made a big impression on him. That makes Mm. sense. Yeah, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. And in case you're wondering, it it was the book Chariots of the Gods uh, just the ravings of a racist madman? Well, the same guy, Von Daniken, <laughs> wrote a sequel book in 1979, and some of the questions he asked in that book include, was the black race a failure? Oh, God. Uh, did the oh, extraterrestrials boy. change the genetic code by gene surgery and then program a white or yellow race? Oh, God. Oh. He also... So that's I, the thing. Like, it's just all this stuff becomes so very quickly sort of fought, like just a very slippery slope to like race science. And it's always... These guys love Egyptology for that. Well, yeah. And the last one, I don't know how this came up, but apparently he says in the book, quote, nearly all Negroes are musical. They have rhythm in their blood. Oh, that's God. a quote from his book. So that's Ooh. the that's where Stargate kind of owes its lineage to, or is just <laughs> this kind of thinking. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's just it's that's why these movies exist. They're like they're just they're dumb sort of vehicles, but they tap into deeper things. And it turns out that the Stargate sort of, you know, the force of this movie has has propelled it like far beyond we could have ever imagined. I mean, it's also like there's no rhyme or reason to these things either, right? Like, I don't think there's a reason why the start the, the Stargate TV shows take off. But like, it is like it, that. It is it is harmful. Like it's still being like you still get the fucking shows on like the History Channel or whatever being yeah, like were the pyramids like created by aliens? Yeah. Yeah, Elon Musk tweeted it out apparently recently, yeah. saying that it's the like a meme. It's a meme now. Aliens. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. It's just one of the like many. Yeah, this is one of the many ways that like you know settler culture kind of like insults indigenous anything like it just cheapens and everything is rendered through the lens of the contemporary and you know i mean that's why you shoot the sphinx like that's why you do that because your only idea in the world is i have to kill everything that i don't understand and so you shoot this fucking stone stat like like statue like whatever like yeah it's pretty fucked up yeah well so yeah it's also just it's it's a way of of uh you know, rationalizing white supremacy when there's clear, you know, concrete yeah. evidence to the contrary and all, you know, yeah. it's, it's all of the, it's not just the pyramids. Like there's all kinds of like yeah. examples of like, yeah, non-European, uh, you know, wonders of uh, construction that uh, suddenly became evidence of ancient yeah. alien interference. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, awful and garbage and uh it's it's what 
form the basis of this movie, which is also, in my opinion, (laughs) (laughs) wow. Uh, So maybe we should wrap up uh, on that note. Uh, I probably don't have to ask, but Cena, did you think this movie was (laughs) rewatchable? This movie is not watchable, let alone (laughs) rewatchable. So bad. So bad. So bad. How did this stuff like form us? I mean, I know that's what the point of this podcast is. Like, like, how did this stuff invade our brains so profoundly? And like, I don't know. It just it, we were ten years old or eleven years old when this movie came out. It had such like it had we and our brains are so open at that age. You can't help but like you know imbibe the stuff and think you know and then we would get like a few years later from now like five years later we're gonna get like the we're gonna get like uh jar jar binks and the gungans (laughs) and like that's another encounter with the colonial sort of other Mm. yeah man fucked up times (laughs) i i won't hear a word against wado though (laughs) (laughs) top notch uh not to mention a movie that you made me watch with you after I'd already seen it, uh, one of the most successful movies of all time, Avatar. That's true. It's I the made same, you watch that. The same yeah. story. Yeah, same story. Colonial Encounter. Wow. Yeah, uh, overlaid with that VR stuff. Yeah. What about you, Rob? Was it rereadable? <laughs> you know, I enjoyed seeing these scenes, which I had imagined so vividly brought to life on the cinema screen. But... No, 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 no. I, no, I, uh, no, it just doesn't, uh, it's not, it's not good. It's not good. And, uh, there's a lot of badness in it as well. So that's, that's troubling. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, it's just really bad. I mean, it's, (laughs) it's really bad. It's, uh, yeah. And for all the reasons that we talked about and as a movie, you know, the science fiction stuff, I like the science fiction stuff, you know, that can tie me over for a bit, like any of that, like, wormholey, like, travel to another, you know, dimension sort of thing. I like that sort of thing, you know, any of that Star Trekky stuff, I'm on board for that, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's just so, like, baldly a, uh, a colonialist fantasy, um... Yeah, it's just uh, you know, yeah, it's it's bad from there. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to watch this one again. I don't know. I am kind of I am kind of curious about the TV show. I might try to watch the TV show and Dive see if in, there's man. anything uh up there. Yeah, because you know, there's um 10 years of that. So, I can I can watch that in like a month. So, <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. But no, not rewatchable. Yeah, I agree. I hated this movie so much. <laughs> and it's also like on top of everything we've talked about like it, it's racist nonsense derived from a hateful garbage person's theory. And on top of that, like on top of everything, it's it, it's also just boring. Like it's not Yeah, it's incredibly boring. Mm-hmm. Like, incredibly boring. Think about like it, it does have like a you know, putting aside some of our grievances with like the the representation of it like it does have a good setup we have this kind of ancient artifact it's a portal to somewhere and and we don't know where it goes but we're gonna journey into it and 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 find out where it takes us and that's an intriguing setup and to have the answer to that question be like 
ah, just a town in a desert that <laughs> kind of looks like an ancient town from Earth. It's just so boring. It's boring. It's stupid. It's uh, the but they have a weird horse. Awful. They do have a weird horse. Yeah, that that never ending story looking weird thing that was awful. Yeah, oh. I was not a fan of Stargate, and uh, I'm sorry if you are a big fan of Stargate and have been listening to the end of this podcast. But uh, yeah. Well, thank you, Cena, for joining us. And uh, Thank you guys for having me on. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, you too, man. And as always, you can find us at rewatchability.com, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to podcasts, really. Twitter, we're at rewatchability, facebook.com slash rewatchability. And until next time, what was that famous quote from Stargate? Uh... <laughs> Say a little uh, King Tut for me. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.